Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. On today's episode, Gabrielle interviews shamanic practitioner and teacher, John Moore. They discuss mind-body alignment, as well as divine masculinity and femininity, and how we have a god and goddess in each of us. And now here's your host, personal trainer and stretch therapist, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness of Real People. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar. And on today's episode, I have John Moore. He's a shamanic practitioner. Uh, we talk about, we're going to talk about mind-body connection and alignment, uh, as well as bringing out the gods and goddesses in all of us and his podcast today. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what a shamanic pr- practitioner does, getting tongue-tied, but what what do you do exactly? <laughs> um, so the main thing that I do is I work with people on um, healing, and I work on the spiritual components of, of healing, um, but I work with people on a lot of a lot of different things. I also do coaching and, and teaching as well. I do a whole lot of teaching. Um, but a shamanic practitioner is somebody who practices shamanism, as the name implies, mm-hmm. which is uh, kind of this, a set of the world's oldest spiritual practices. Sh- shamanism has been around since the beginning of humankind, as far as we can tell from um, archaeological and anthropological evidence, uh, been around forever and ever. And the main gist of shamanic practice is called the journey. The main thing we do is called the journey, which involves entering into an altered state of consciousness um, that is really specific to shamanism. So it's unlike meditation or being on magic mushrooms or anything anything like that. And we know that from very recent um, EKG research. We didn't know it obviously 10,000 years ago, but we know it, we do know it now. So you can actually see the difference on an EKG, and an, I'm just getting tongue tied today, on an <laughs> no EKG uh, with the difference, like a difference in meditation, the difference when you're on med- magic mushrooms and, and when you're practicing, you know, your shamanism. Yeah. So the, it, it's close to, but still different from the state of mind that you would enter if you were on psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, that's the closest analog they have. It is not like meditation or hypnosis or anything like that. So it is a very, very specific brain state um, that I, I reached that through drumming or other types of rhythmic activities and not through, um, not through the use of plant what we call plant medicines, even though psilocybin is technically a fungus, not a plant. Um, but some cultures obviously use plant medicines like ayahuasca, psilocybin, peyote, that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you actually ha- are a third degree black belt uh, in martial arts. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how that kind of relates to you as a shaman and, and uh, ties into everything with mind-body alignment? Yeah, for sure. Um, I started, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 and I started training in martial arts when I was about six. Um, so it's a very long time. And, um, I did back in the, uh, um, you know, 12 years ago or something, eventually got to the point where I got a, a third degree black belt in a style called Ketsugo Jiu Jitsu, which is 
uh, Japanese style of jujitsu, and it involves a lot of mind-body work. So it's not just brute force. It's about um, knowing how to align your body properly, how to absorb energy and give energy back. And I'm not talking about anything esoteric here. I'm talking about physical kinetic energy. We don't directly oppose force. We, we always work around it in circles and absorb it and redirect it and that sort of thing. And it leads itself really well to any sort of spiritual practice, I guess. But um, for me, particularly shamanism, because shamanism is very, uh, when I practice shamanism, it is very enveloping, for lack of a better term, absorbing is a better better word for that. And it's the same when I train in jujitsu and, um, you know, I might do the same movement for three hours, right? Which a lot of people, a lot of people these days don't like training like that, but um, you enter into an altered state and you start the, the movement just starts happening. Um, you don't have to think about it anymore. And it makes you really, really good at, um, because it, it, the muscle memory that you get from that is, is, is really incredible. And, um, you know, using, using those techniques, using those teaching techniques, I've been able to, um, you know, borrow those into teaching shamanism and then borrow from shamanism and teaching martial arts. So it's all related. It's all, you know, a lot of the same stuff underneath. So how do you bring that into what you do and use it with a client? How do I bring um, sort of the jujitsu stuff in with what I do? Yeah, and the mind-body alignment, how you work with a client to get those two things aligned, just learning what you know and bringing it all together and, and working with a client on that. Yeah, so one of the ways that th that happens is really bringing, bringing focus, right? And jujitsu is really good at focusing energy. And so, um, uh, and when I talk about mind-body alignment, you know, a good example of that is, let's say I want to get in shape, right? And I have this idea in my head that I want to get in shape. Well, if I sit around on the couch just thinking about getting into shape, I'm not going to get in shape, right? My body has to carry through. My body has to go to the gym or, you know, what, you know, do whatever I'm doing, do yoga, run, or whatever I'm doing to get into shape. Mm -hmm. And that is on a really basic form, the way that I describe body mind alignment and then when we add spirit in that means you're really you know you're deeply connecting to what you're doing you're more deeply connecting to what you're doing so activities like yoga for example where people connect on a really deep level but it can be anything um you know if you watch somebody who's a really amazing athlete any kind of athlete somebody who's uh you know i always talk about michael jordan you know shooting baskets and when you watched him flying through the air that's a really spiritual experience right? He, that's a point in time where his mind, body, and spirit are absolutely in alignment. And, and the way that he's able to perform, everything's moving in the same direction. When I teach people how to throw a punch in jujitsu, if I, you know, they can throw a punch at something and hit it really hard, but if they turn their nose, so their eyes are looking away like 20 degrees, it removes a significant amount of their power, their ability, because their focus is taken away from what they're doing. Um, so that's one way that I, I really work with clients on mind, body, and spirit alignment. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because uh, that is so true. Just taking that slight turn and taking your focus off will give you less power. It takes the focus off of whatever you're doing. And, and that's with any sport, true. 
also, mm-hmm. you know, with volleyball, I play volleyball. So if you're not watching the ball or throwing, throwing a baseball, or even yeah. um, when they teach you snowboarding or skiing, where you look is where you go. So right. if you turn your head, you will start to go in that direction or you should anyway, if you're not, then <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where you're going, but you know, it's, it's taking your focus in a certain direction. So if you're aligning your mind, your body and your spirit, you will in essence, take yourself where you want to be. So whatever Absolutely. that goal is, whatever, whatever that end point is, or whatever step you're trying to take, if you get those in line, then you'll lead yourself in that direction of where you want to be because you're focusing on that specific moment or event or goal that you're trying to reach. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, when I work with clients on a coaching basis, um, you know, it's amazing how people have these, these goals they want to hit and you'll ask, okay, what did you do today? to reach that, like what small, what's the smallest thing you can do today to move towards that goal, whether it's getting in shape or, um, you know, I had a client who her goal was to um, have a professional, um, not a professional, a, a showing, she's a ph- photographer and she's never, she'd never have a gallery showing. And I said, well, where's your portfolio? Where your, where's your camera? She's like, oh, they're in storage. I'm like, well, get them out of storage. And within about three months, she happened to meet somebody who was opening a gallery. And she's like, oh, I've got some photos. And, you know, wound up getting her first showing. It just, it, and it happened really fast only because she was prepared for the opportunity. She was mm-hmm. focused on, on moving ahead rather than just living up in her head. It's one of the things I like about shamanism as a spiritual practice. We're always talking about does it grow corn? I can, you know, med- sit and meditate for the rest of my life. Um, but in shamanism, we really are bringing what we're practicing down into physical reality. Um, and, and it's not just about spiritual manifesting, that's a part of it. But it is about taking the taking the inspired physical actions um, that are necessary to, to do what you need to do. So you talk about uh, divine masculinity and femininity. Can you explain a little bit about what that is and how to bring out the gods and goddesses in all of us and what that actually means? Absolutely. So um, it's really important to understand that this has nothing to do with biological gender or gender gender identity. Um, those are you know different constructs. The divine masculine is this um, impulse that... I, I like to describe them as impulses. Um, it's an archetypal impulse. And for us, it's the impulse for the to evolve as an individual, to get better to, you know, in whatever area that you're focused on. Um, the divine feminine is the impulse to connect on a very deep level. And if you think about that from a gender role perspective, which I think is, is a weaker perspective, you know, um, in in this culture, men are driven to be CEOs more, to be CEOs and to succeed and stuff. And women have come along really far in that. But traditionally, going back even a couple of decades, that wasn't necessarily the case, where women tend to connect more um, and they tend to be nurturing and that sort of thing. Well, those those aren't roles that are destined based on the your birth, you know, the, the sex you were born with or the gender you identify with those are impulses we all have 
And when we embrace both of those from a um, from a mature perspective. So when we talk about toxic masculinity, what we're really talking about is the immature masculine. We're talking about, um, you know, men who want to have power over men who want to, um, you know, uh, treat, treat other people as objects and not as, as, you know, equals and individuals, where the divine masculine is really about evolving and bringing the benefits of your evolution back to help other people and it's really about power with it's about lifting people other people up and that's the divine masculine the divine feminine is again is about connecting and so you know the the immature is about um just being focused on not in a no personal evolution and just being a part of the collective and not standing out and that sort of thing um and when you balance both of those things, when you balance both of those impulses, you can get really, really far in life. But also we mature the culture when we do that. We, we take strides forward and strides away from toxic and immature psychology into, into, more, into more mature and enlightened, not in a spiritual way, but enlightened in an intellectual way, um, psychology and 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 moving out of our moving out of our comfort zone for many of us as we um, are not in this culture raised to be like that in many ways. Yeah, I think I think if you're if you're looking at it from like the gender roles point of view, you know, you do kind of still put that gender role on men and women, which, you know, for a lot of women is, you know, not uh they don't like it <laughs> sure of course you know, why would you me being a business, <laughs> terrible. A, a business owner i but a business owner a homeowner i don't have kids i'm not married so to me the feminine or the the idea of femininity in in gender roles is not uh something i identify with in that regard but from the divine feminine having and creating relationships Right. Um, having and nurturing others that's that is very very feminine it's very um it is what women do we're very we are nurturers we are lovers we are family oriented whether it's our own children or other people you know or, or just family in general and then you're right you know the toxic mas masculinity is very different than the divine masculine so women can have that masculine drive to be CEOs, to be business yeah. owners, to be entrepreneurs and uh, not necessarily have those gender roles placed on them. And same thing for men. I think we see it a little less in men than we do in women. I think men don't necessarily connect with that feminine side as much as women can connect with that masculine side. Uh, so I think that there's definitely um, kind of a disconnect with that because we don't necessarily nurture that or allow that from a societal standpoint. So right, absolutely. And I, you know, I came, I came from the boys don't cry generation, right? Um, you know, my my parents were were boomers, and um, you know that was uh, that was an era in uh that was very toxic to to uh my 
you know, Gen X when I growing up, I see really big differences in um, my children who are in high school and the, the people around them, how that that has changed significantly. And I, I'm I, I think that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it is it's it's culturally enforced. And culture, like, you know that it's not a universal because culture changes. So, and gender roles change significantly from culture to culture and from era to era. None of this is set in, you know, none of this is set in stone. And the divine masculine and feminine isn't about cramming anybody into a role. It's not about Mm -hmm. you need to do this because... Uh, you were born with these chromosomes, or you need to do this because you were born and your skin's darker than mine, or you need to do this because you speak this language and not this language. Um, there's nothing divine about that. There's nothing that says, you know, stay stay in your stay in your lane, and some some other human is defining what your lane is. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and so we have all of us, and and you're a good example of this. All of us have both of those impulses, and I think you're absolutely right. In this culture, particularly, um, it's not easy, but it's probably easier for women to embrace the other role than it is for men because we have not supported that at all. Um, and one thing I, you know, one thing that I try to teach people because the, you know, we call this the patriarchy, right? We've been living in a patriarchal system for six or seven thousand years. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for men or women. It, it, women have definitely gotten the short end of the stick, um, but men haven't caught up to realizing, wow, being crammed into a role that might not fit me or um, having to act like a jerk so that I'm accepted by my friends or family, um, those aren't things that make for healthy individuals and happy individuals. That doesn't lead to living a fulfilling life. and. Um, you know, I definitely have always been uh, embraced both sides. Luckily, for some reason, uh, broke out of that toxic environment I grew up in. And, um, you know, definitely when I had children, I was, uh, you know, uh, I loved, I loved the nurturing aspect and embracing that, which is, which is the divine feminine aspect. And, now, when it's very frequently, if I'm sitting in a, in a group of people who are practicing shamanism, very often I'm the only man in the room um, because shamanism is very matriarchal. There's no hierarchy, which is, which is patriarchal, mm-hmm. and there's no, um, there's no pope or there's no Bible, there's no dogma, there's none of that. And so I think um, where men get uncomfortable is like, oh, I can't. I can't rank in this. I can't be above people. This is about collective. This is about um, cooperation and working together. And that's not a model that I'm used to. Because you're taking the ego out of it. There's no ego in shamanism. It's all working together as a collective group. Yeah. And the one of the goals of shamanic practice and shamanic learning we call becoming the hollow bone, which is basically meaning like you're becoming like a hollow reed or hollow straw where your ego stands out of the way so that the work is done through you. And that's hard because as, as a male in this culture, we got to be in charge. We got to hold on to this. We got to control this. And shamanism is all about surrender. (laughs) And that, and that was hard for me. That was really hard for me in the beginning. Um, but then I realized, 
oh, surrender is actually cool. Like when I surrender to this process, um, it doesn't mean I'm giving up my sovereignty when I surrender. It just means I'm giving, you know, I'm letting my ego step aside and letting go of the things that I don't have control over. Um, and that's a much healthier place for me to be, especially. So what exactly brought you into this? What made you decide you wanted to be a shamanic practitioner? Um, so I, uh, I grew up in a very toxic household. Um, I had a significant amount of childhood trauma. There was um, alcoholism and domestic violence and child abuse and all kinds of like just the worst kind of uh, stuff you could imagine growing up. And um, I repressed that for a really, really long time and until I was an adult. It was probably one of the things that led me into martial arts training actually was wanting to be safe in my body. And, um, you know, I had a real breakdown, physical and mental breakdown in my early 40s. And uh, I was trying to heal myself and I was doing meditation and seeing doctors and going to therapy and all this stuff and nothing was really working for me. And, uh, but I, I've always been a meditator and I was meditating. And one day I just heard what sounded like a voice coming from outside of my head that said, you need to learn shamanism. And um, which was odd because I didn't know anything about shamanism. And I went into it. I found a teacher who uh, accepted me as an apprentice, even though I hadn't done any, even though I knew nothing about shamanism. I knew the word, but I didn't know what it meant. Um, and I had no intention of ever working with another human being. I went into it only to work on myself. Um, but what happens is as you heal yourself, you change and you realize that you're healing the world as you heal yourself. And I really wound up enjoying working with other people. I love, um, I love working with other people, either one-on-one -on -one or in groups. Um, I love teaching and it really felt like home for me. And, um, you know, I spent 25 years in technology and so it's kind of a weird place for me to wind up, but, um, you know, I guess there are weirder places I could have wound up, sure but, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it just, it just really became home to me. And it's, it's something that I absolutely love and think about 24 seven these days. So you have a podcast, um, it is called speaking spirit. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Uh, so tell me about your podcast. What do you talk about in the podcast? What episodes have you done so far? Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about all kinds of spiritual topics. Um, you know, obviously I'm focused on shamanism, but I've had guests talking about other things recently. I had um, a friend of mine on who's an animal whisperer. So she does like animal communication stuff, which I think is fascinating and not a skill that I have. Um, uh, you know, and I've had other shamanic people on and people from other traditions. And I just, I pick topics that I think are, are just really interesting to me anyway. <laughs> and hopefully, and other people seem to be interested in them. I have listeners all over the world. And um, uh, so it'll, it'll go in all, all types of different directions. And so it, it does have a spiritual focus, but very often I'm talking about mind, body, spirit topics and mind, body alignment. And I've done, I've done um, episodes on divine masculine, divine feminine. So exactly the things that we're talking about today. So I'm about um, almost 50 episodes in a little over a year. I do them 
approximately every two weeks now. I did, I was doing them every week, but that became too much uh, for me to do and schedule. So now it's, I'm on a, about a, a two, every two week schedule and I'm about um, 50 episodes in over a year in at this point. Do you have any episodes that you think um, are really like standing out that really stand out in your mind that are super interesting? All of them are interesting, obviously, but <laughs> but for, for you particularly that you think that people don't know about that are like, wow, this one was like eye opening to me. Um, yeah, I mean, the, um, the animal communication episode, which is one of the most recent ones, was really eye opening because I didn't, you know, I didn't know a lot about it. And, um, you know, I, I led into it with, you know, when I was a kid, uh, Dr. Doolittle from the 1960s was mm -hmm. one of my favorite movies that I watched. And now I'm talking to somebody who does that, who talks to animals. And I thought she was going to talk about, well, you know, I work with animals who are having behavior problems. And, and that is part of what she does. But um, honestly, uh, a lot of what she does is she works with the people who own the animals. And she's like, you know, this animal has a message for you. And, um, and that was really cool to me. Um, Cause I love, I mean, I do love animals. I just don't have the skill of animal communication or I haven't, haven't developed that quite yet. Um, but, uh, but I absolutely love animals. So I did find that was, was pretty fascinating. Um, the divine masculine, divine feminine episode is one of my first ones. And that's gotten, um, it seems to be one that people are very, very interested in. Um, it has a, a large amount of listeners um, that people are still downloading that episode. So um, that seems to be a topic that people are very interested in and a topic I love talking about as well. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that that would be so intriguing to people? I think we're coming of age. Um, I think there is a there's an impulse. I, I, again, I'm talking about impulses, but there's an impulse to awaken that happens as a result of crisis. Um, and we're going, you know, we're going through global crisis right now. We're going through a pandemic. We're going through, uh, you know, warfare and all of these things going on and incredible divisiveness in the, in the world. And, you know, all of the changes with social media and everything that are making people feel really disconnected. And when people get in touch with these parts of themselves that, hey, you know what, you have these, you have both a god and goddess living inside you, um, people tend to feel more connected. And there's, there's this impulse that people feel drawn to that people feel drawn to awaken either in, you know, shamanically or with whatever, with whatever other form of spirituality they're deciding to practice. Um, and so that, I, I really do think that that's why people are, are drawn to that particular topic. Hmm. So what kind of people do you work with particularly? Who would, who would search out a shaman and why? Well, it's, it is really, it is really broad. <laughs> it's a really broad <laughs> range of people. Um, I have had clients, I have uh, clients who are therapists and I have clients who are dentists and clients who are plumbers. And so every, all walks of life, um, men and women, um, the number one reason people came to me early on in my career, the first two years I was in practice, um, a hundred percent of my clients came to me for trauma. Um, and that is, uh, shamanism is really good with trauma. They've been dealing with trauma for thousands of years. Um, and there's, you know, there are particular techniques that we use that are 
fairly in alignment with modern psychology. I think we talk about trauma in the same ways, but using different different terminology, but we're all, we're all, we're taking different paths to the same mountaintop. Um, so, and having had experience with trauma in my life and having worked through a lot of that, I think there's what I call wound resonance, where people who have the same or similar wounds can, um, can sense that, and they seek out people who have been through a lot of the same things. And one of the nice things about it is I, you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD in my early 40s, and I live symptom-free and have for for many years. And, you know, it's when I was diagnosed, they're like, you know, there's no cure for this. Um, and I'm like, well, thank you for the, you know, thank you for that. Um, you know, thank you for telling me that. That's not very helpful. Yeah, right. Um, so I can't. So I can't say that I'm cured because technically that would be not right. But um, I think living without symptoms for a long time, um, you know, and I had at that time in my life when I was diagnosed, I had lost 60 pounds, uh, which I couldn't afford to lose. I had um, couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. Um, very physically ill on top of the, you know, severe depression and panic attacks and all of this stuff. And um, without medication, I live symptom free. And so I'm not, you know. I'm not smarter than anybody else and I'm not more evolved or enlightened or any of those things than anybody else. So the nice thing about, I think my story is that I hope that it lends hope to other people that they can manage their symptoms or live symptom free because I, I, I don't have anything. I don't have a leg up on anybody. Um, I'm just an average guy. I found a path that worked for me. Um, and I think other people can too. And so um, I like to say I'm not special. Um, and it, like in, in martial arts, when people ask me about martial arts, I'll tell them I'm not a tough guy, but I can teach you how to beat me up more efficiently. Um, that's, you know, that's my, that's my skill there. But with, with shamanism, um, you know, trauma, trauma has been the number one thing, but people come to me for all kinds of things. Um, the number one complaint I get these days, uh, people will, I'll ask people, why did you seek me out? And they'll say, I just feel really disconnected. I feel disconnected from myself. I feel disconnected from the world. I feel disconnected from spirit. And that to me is a direct result of what's going on in the world with the pandemic, with the divisiveness, with all of those things. It's highlighting this disconnect that people have from nature and from spirit and from them and from themselves. It just exacerbates it. Well, I like to say that everybody's special. So I think you're special. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we're all, I mean, we're all special in our, in our own way. I just mean like, um, I don't have a leg. I, I, you know, I don't have advantages that, that, you know, other people don't, you know, that other people don't in dealing with this particular part of sure. aspect of my life. But yeah, we're all, we, we are all special. For sure. <laughs> and everybody does have some sort of trauma, whether how, how large or small that trauma is. Every single person has some sort of, some sort of trauma, some sort of, uh, thing that has happened to them in their life that has led them to wherever they are and seeking help is always my number one uh because i just don't think people do it but sure. also i think that people don't necessarily know or are not or are not diagnosed or are misdiagnosed that do have ptsd and don't know it uh, you everything that you've been through in your specific situation i know a lot of people have been there and have never dealt with it or just don't know how to even go there. You know, I've, I've heard people say to me, I can't even go there. I can't even go mm -hmm. there. And it's, yeah. 
you know, it's that repression that causes a lot of things, including, you know, PTSD, including uh, stress, including even disease, because you are keeping in all of those emotions and how you deal with that is how you heal and grow and become kind of a better version of yourself or the best version of yourself. I don't want to say better, but maybe the best version of yourself knowing how to address and handle and navigate all situations better. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when you heal yourself, you heal the world, right? Because you heal how you show up in the world. And the thing, and, and I completely get you because I didn't deal with my trauma for 40 years. Right. And, um, uh, because it's hard and it is not easy work. And, um, but what happened was I had kids and, um, you know, I had to take care of myself so I could be the dad that they deserved. Right. Um, and you don't have to have kids to decide that you're worth it to take care of the trauma. Cause I, I don't care who you are. Um, you're worth it. You're worth, worth the effort. Um, trust me, but it is hard and we do repress it. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't have to be re-traumatized to heal from trauma. That's one thing I learned the hard way because um, I thought I had to remember every detail of everything that ever happened to me and go through it and do, you know, have ab reactions and all of those things. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, so it might not be as hard as people think it is. Um, and there are lots of different ways to address trauma. We are learning so much about it. There's advances in psychedelic medication. There's um, body-centered trauma. There's trauma-informed yoga therapy. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, I happen to love shamanism and it worked for me, um, but there are many, many different approaches to it that are, you know, and, and I think everybody deserves to find the approach that works for them and to, and to, um, the amount of freedom that I can't even, I can't even describe the amount of freedom I feel from looking at the way I was living my life before and the way that I'm living my life now. It is worth it. Yeah. So people can find your podcast, Speaking Spirit, on your website, mainshaman.com. That and is correct. Maine, yes, I have... the state of Maine. M-A-I-N-E. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. M-A-I-N-E. <laughs> Not like a lion's mane or... I don't, um, yeah, you know, got it. Right, but uh, right. <laughs> yeah, so mainshaman.com, you can find uh, this podcast there or probably on other avenues, I'm sure, through Apple Podcasts and all of the uh, Google and all of the above. Um, is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with today? Um, just, you know, again, I just want to reiterate like, I'm, you know, there is, mind body mind body spirit alignment is really the way to accomplish anything and um it doesn't matter what your goal is it doesn't have to be you know physical fitness i realize this you know you talk a lot about physical fitness and health and that sort of thing absolutely that applies to health but it also applies to almost anywhere in your life and the deeper you go into anything the more aligned you get and the deeper you go into anything i don't care what activity it is if it's painting or cooking or exercising or whatever the deeper you go into anything the more spiritual it becomes um and just by spiritual i just mean 
gives you a sense of feeling connected to something greater than yourself. It doesn't have to be a religion thing if that's not your bag. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, any sort of belief system involved with that. It's just this, this feeling, this sense, the knowing that you are in fact connected to something greater than yourself. Um, so dive in deep. It's, it's worth it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Um, I will have a link to your podcast and to your website on in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. And we will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. If you would like more information on today's episode, you can find it in the show notes and on Gabrielle's website at www.destinationfitcations.com. Visit to keep an eye out for upcoming fitcations. Be sure to share the show, give this podcast a review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Join us next week to hear more stories from people just like you. This has been the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People with Gabrielle Mazar.